Welcome to the New England Football Show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas, and as always, I'm joined by my partners, Kevin Stone and Adam Kirchin. And tonight we have a very special guest for you folks. Our friend Eric Edholm from NFL.com is joining us tonight to recap the NFL draft and to recap the weekend that the Patriots had. But before we do that, and Eric, welcome as always. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Hey. Anytime, man. Thank you for taking the time. Now, before we do get started, I want to remind you guys that if you are looking into selling your current home or you are a first-time home buyer and want to get pre-approved for a mortgage, give our good friend Herb Devine a call at Mortgage Right, 781-254-2846. You can also email Herb at situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends, to help you out. All right, Eric, thanks for taking the time, man. As always, it's good to see you, brother. It's always a great conversation, so we're looking forward to it tonight. You were in Kansas City pretty much all week. You just got back, uh, what, last night? Yep, yep, got back Sunday night. I've uh, sworn off barbecue for the next three months, and I think my stomach is uh, tapped out. But no, I, uh, it's, uh, I'm wearing my uh, Mizzou shirt tonight. I, I hadn't been back to Columbia in 10 years or something like that, so made a little road trip out of it. Normally I'd fly, but I thought, yeah, let's hit the road, check out Mizzou. I hadn't been to Kansas City in probably 15 years, so that was cool. The city was alive, and uh, yeah, a lot of picks, a lot of uh, a lot of key decisions made this weekend. Now, before we get started here, I do want to uh, address a couple of things. One, yes, I am wearing a Canadian hat. I do want to remind you Bruins fans out there that um, the 2023 Bruins are not in the same class as the 76-77 Habs. That team only lost one playoff game, one. <laughs> on route to another Stanley Cup. Of course, they won six in that decade, but that aside. Uh, but more importantly at home, I want to know, what barbecue joints did you hit up in Kansas City? I'm a big Oklahoma Joe's guy. Okay. Didn't make it there. I, You know, I, it was uh, I, it was, was everything within Uber range. I, I was almost like I'd, I'd probably save time by telling you the places I didn't go. That was one of them. But uh, <laughs> went to uh, Q39, went to Jack Stack, went to Arthur Bryant's. Actually, ended up going to Arthur Bryant's twice. I got good invited spot. to a lunch. So, Real yeah, I, I thought Q39 was pretty pretty tight. That was that yeah. was probably my favorite, newer place. Uh, went there for dinner one night and then had lunch most of the other days. So there's something about eating barbecue and then just trying to work after that. It just puts you into a slumber, man. It's, it's, it, it's it does. tough sledding. It, yeah. Kansas city's tough too, because like literally, well, first of all, half the city's in one state and the other half is in the <laughs> other. So that's bizarre in itself. Yeah. But, but the thing with Kansas city is literally as you're driving around, you can just smell it everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> you can't escape it. So the two things you can't escape in Kansas city are barbecue and water fountains. Yeah, right. Water fountains, barbecue, and uh, and cannabis. I smelled cannabis everywhere I went. So <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, ever since they uh, relaxed the marijuana rules there, uh, the, the, the local folks were uh, were enjoying themselves. Eating out barbecue and getting high. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? Why, that's a good combo, right? It's not a, right, exactly. I mean, there's worse things you could be doing than, than eating barbecue and toking up. Yeah, right. I mean, right? I mean, that's quite the feeling. Can you imagine by the end of the night how you're feeling you're high and you got to take a crap and sit on the bowl for a half hour. That, that's quite the night. I didn't know you'd go there, but yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, family yeah. show, but sometimes you got to mix it up. We can't we can't be too too uh, tight around here. Yeah. Well, I, so of course, as I mentioned, you were down there for about a week, and and you got to take it all in. Kansas City looked like it was a great host. I mean, they had an unbelievable turnout. I believe they said that over three hundred thousand people there throughout the weekend. <laughs> Crazy, three hundred fifteen was the number I saw, and. Uh, 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, the location was fantastic, kind of right down by Union Station for anybody who knows it down yeah, there. It's a great and spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool area. They've really built it up. I mean, boy, I'm telling you, I probably was the early 2000s since I was last there or mid 2000s. And it looked total. I didn't know my way around anymore. And uh, yeah, so it was great. I got to the uh, Negro League Baseball Museum on one yeah, uh, one morning. That was spot. cool. Awesome. Didn't get to the World War One Museum. We'll get there next time. But the city was alive. Locals were were pumped. Chiefs fans obviously were excited. I know that's not for this show, but uh, yeah, it was it was a good time. <laughs> well, I don't know. The Chiefs are gonna. The Chiefs are a big part of the conversation around here with all the uh, undrafted free agents they've signed in the area. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the, the old Patriots approach, right? Yeah, right. Well, they've got a lot of New England ties in their front office. That's yep. why and Mike yep. Borgonzi, obviously, uh, Chris Shea. They're all Massachusetts guys, so. Um, but anyway, let, let's get into the draft here. Obviously, of course, the number one pick of the draft was Bryce Young. Thoughts there? Was that the right pick in your opinion? I was more of a Stroud guy, but I could see why Carolina went that road. Yeah, I mean, like if Bryce Young was was a you know two hundred fifteen pound guy, I don't think we'd worried about his, his his durability. I mean, that really is a concern because. We just haven't seen that size of a quarterback uh, really in a long time. Uh, Flutie? I don't even know. You know, I'm just trying to think of somebody who played regularly, a Seneca Wallace, you know, somebody like that. So uh, I know, you know, Kyler Murray, but still, I mean, he's he's an elusive guy. I mean, Bryce Young can escape pressure a little bit, move around within the pocket, pick you up a first down every now and then. That's not really his game, though, like Kyler. So is he going to hold up for 17 games? That's my biggest question. He's a great distributor of the football, very accurate, very smart, thinks quickly. I liked Stroud a lot too. I, I was a little surprised at some of the uh, the pre-draft slander, but it ended up not mattering. Texans got him and Will Anderson together, you know, and and, and they did it the smart way in the sense that they they devalued the trade by getting the you know the the well, by the quarterback first and then going to get Anderson, even though if they had to pay up for him, they see it as kind of, you know, the juice didn't cost, if you will. I don't know if that's the right approach and, and they paid a lot. But, um, yeah, I mean, certainly seeing Levis slipped around, too, was a little surprise. And, uh, uh, you know, just how many quarterbacks were drafted total. I think it was, what, 14 or 15? I mean, it was yeah, so more yeah, than I, I expected. By, yeah. By, I think by round four, the end of round four, I thought they said that there were 11 taken. Like, that's it's a big I mean, number. It's a big number, and is part of that the Brock Purdy effect? Is the team's just looking for that diamond in the rough, you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about anything after, you know, a fifth, fifth, sixth round, seventh round picks, they're less than a 50% chance to make the roster anyway. So, I mean, if you don't have players you love or immediate needs to need to fill, you know, I think teams were thinking, let's see if we can get those, those smart quarterbacks at the end of the draft those those competitive guys like the Jake Hayners and such and you know there were a couple who didn't get drafted I mean and a couple in one who didn't Sean Clifford that I never would have imagined would would have gotten drafted I thought you know he'll land in a camp somewhere but um so there were some interesting quarterback selections and the the D2 kid Tyson Bajan didn't get drafted that surprised me a little bit I'd heard you know good reports on terms of you know his ability to, to possibly get drafted so um, yeah, a couple different picks that I expected, but you're right. I'm sure there's a, there's an effect there. I mean, chances are we'll go 10 years without anybody even coming close to, to Purdy drafted within 50 picks of him. Right. How many, how many six rounders after Tom Brady quarterbacks did well? I mean, I can't think of, I'm sure there's some, right. But the point is it's, it's hard to find uh, Mark Bulger. Maybe is the only, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. There's a handful, but 
So it just, I think there was an effect there. And I think people probably felt like you, you might as well take a chance at that point. And, you know, some of them did. I'm curious because I remember like for a long time, anytime there was a small quarterback coming out, they'd be like, well, there's Drew Brees. And so everybody would say, if if Drew Brees could do it, this guy could right. do it. You know? Yeah. And so I feel like we're sort of doing the same thing with Josh Allen because Josh Allen in college was was big with a strong arm and a great athlete, but he had really bad accuracy issues. But then he goes into the league and he sort of fixes those. And yeah. I always thought accuracy was something you couldn't really fix. But, you know, it seems like with um, with like Richardson and Levis, you heard, you heard that Josh Allen comparison a lot because – you know, they didn't have great accuracy, but neither did Josh. Right. Yeah, I think what, what teams did specifically with Richardson, and I'm going to get back to, to your point because I think it's a, it's a really good one. And I think a lot of teams and a lot of people that, you know, are, are in this business do think along those lines, right? Um, you know, with Richardson, I think what I heard most often was that when his feet are good, his throws are good. You know, he still needs to learn how to throw a changeup every now and then. The fastball, fastball approach is going to – gonna you know his even his own receivers are gonna be like dude okay it's a five yard check down you don't need to drill it into my chest but you know once he learns a little bit better touch the accuracy the, the percentage is gonna go up once he if he, and you saw it at the combine I thought it was fascinating I didn't I didn't you know early in his throwing session at the combine his his base was good his weight shift his balance you know, everything looked good from the lower half up. And he's got a fantastic arm. You know, he's, he's blessed with this amazing athleticism. By the end of that session, though, he started seeing more stationary throws, more arm and shoulder throws, you know, not torquing the body, not getting the, the full kind of range of motion there. And guess what? He went from being really accurate to not that accurate. So it's going to take coaching. And this is what Shane Steichen was hired for. I mean, they watched him build Jalen Hurts up from – you know, a questionable prospect. And we heard Hertz used as kind of an example too this offseason. Hertz, Allen, you know, maybe they're exceptions, but the Colts are banking on this not being an exception, that this was something that Steichen coaxed and coached out of out of Hertz. They're gonna hopefully use the same starter kit and do the same plan with Richardson, who technically is, you know, more physically gifted. So you know, if that works, okay, then then we have a real interesting debate here. But you're right; it, not everybody with Josh Allen tools fixes their problems or becomes Josh Allen. Yeah, I mean, before him, the one that that I think made the biggest completion percentage jump was was Matthew Stafford. Right. I mean, that's the last guy I remember who was in the 50s percentage wise in college, who then went to the pros and. You know, they they put him in the right system and they got his mechanics going a little bit and and you know, that was a big deal too. But, you know, we went a lot of years between Stafford and Allen and I'm not, you know, I just don't think there are too many examples out of that out there, but you know, these quarterback gurus, they may disagree. That's what they're paid to do. They're paid to, to take talented players and mold them into the right shape. Eric, uh, sticking with the quarterback theme, a lot of talk pretty much for two weeks about Will Levis and the Patriots. Um, even that night, NFL Network was really kind of pushing the narrative before they picked. First of all, was there ever a shot of them taking anyone, but I should say taking Levis, and then ultimately, you know, they picked up Malik Cunningham. Was there ever a shot they were taking a quarterback higher than than maybe people would have expected? 
I don't know the answer to that question. I really don't. I, I couldn't tell you what they were thinking inside the building on on whether there was somebody else they liked along the way. It's possible. I'd have to kind of go back and see where those guys went off the board and everything. But the Levis thing to me felt like uh, a red herring. You know, this just felt like a, a little misdirection play. I'm sure Bill got a kick out of that one. I even heard somebody kind of speculate, you know, there was all this Texans Levis connection going on oh maybe they like will levis better some people were even going to this far as say well maybe belichick is doing uh casario a solid that seems a little bit absurd i don't i've never heard of bill doing extra work for his buddy on a different team but maybe it happens i don't know uh yeah i you know the levis drop did surprise me but if i thought about it longer once he made it past indianapolis there weren't a lot of whole a whole lot of teams that brought him in for top 30 visits who met with him at the combine who showed genuine interest who sent a lot of people to his pro day what have you private workout tampa was one that i thought possibly could be there uh, be a possibility that passed i thought tennessee would take him at 11 they end up get him in round two but yeah i have a feeling bill got a good chuck a lot of people making that connection if you remember they brought in baker mayfield like three days before the draft of what that year and everybody was like whoa, what's happening? They're finding Tom's replacement. I mean, so they've done, I think they brought in Lamar Jackson too, if I recall. I think he yeah. was a pre-draft visit. So they've had an interesting little, you know, cross-section of quarterbacks over the years come in for visits more often than not when they didn't technically need one. So yeah, I, I it's possible they were talking to Levis either as a smokescreen, knowing he'd fall. If that's true, then Bill's got some good vision and could see it happening, um, possibly as a way to get people to trade up. Or they were using him to, to get information about, you know, Chris Rodriguez or one of his teammates or something like that. Now, they, I don't think they drafted a Kentucky guy or signed any. So you never know. I mean, it, it could be a combination of reasons, too. But I, I never viewed that as a, as a serious pairing. You know, it's interesting because the modern-day debate at the running back position centers around whether or not you should be drafting one in the first round. And we saw two of them go in the top 12. We see B. John Robinson go to the Falcons at 8, and Jameer Gibbs goes to the Detroit Lions at 12. Of course, Detroit had the sixth pick in the first round. They had two picks, 6 and 18. They traded out, ended up at 12, and they took Gibbs. Were you surprised? Not so much that those two guys win in the first round because I think a lot of us thought that they would. Right. But but were you surprised? Out. Let me rephrase this. Were you surprised that Gibbs win at twelve? I think we all thought Bijan was probably going to go in the top fifteen. Were you surprised that both win in the top fifteen? Yeah, and it was funny because they my editors say, "Can you turn your mock draft in Friday?" So like six days before the draft, I'm thinking. I don't see myself doing very well this year if that's what you're asking for, right? I did make it was able to make a couple changes around the the Rogers draft, but or trade, I mean, but uh yeah, I I had Gibbs going at I think 21 to the Chargers, I want to say, if I recall. And I had Bijan going a little above that. But I did hear, you know, in the three or four days leading up to the draft, it's Atlanta. They're gonna take them, and that's or yeah, you know, that it was all signs pointed to Bijan at eight. I had no idea that the Lions were even interested in Gibbs. I mean, they hadn't really, they'd done a good job. Brad Holmes told me that it was one of his three favorite players in the entire draft. So they, they loved him. And when they moved back from six, you know, that made that possibility happen. 
I think in a perfect world, they would have gotten Witherspoon at six. This is me guessing. I don't know this. Brad wouldn't open up on that part, but I think they wanted Witherspoon at six. He went one pick earlier, and then they were going to try to move up from 18. At least that's how I imagine it. So give him credit for being flexible and, and still getting their guy. But, you know, they're obviously he's got to be pretty special, you know, to he's a 199 pound running back who may play at 205 if you're, you know, if you're really diligent about putting weight on him and keeping it on him. But he's a half receiver, half, you know, uh, runner and a returner as well. So he's, I think he fits their culture. I, you know, he's a quiet, humble kid. He just wants to win. And, and that's why he left Georgia Tech for, for Alabama. I think it's going to end up being really good. I, I I think in a Jared Goff offense, you want as many yak players as possible and, you know, yards after catch or contact, I guess, with running. So that's, you know, that's that's a pretty good fit right there. And if you think Jamison Williams is going to going to bounce back after the suspension, that could, could be a fun thing they have there. Atlanta, did they really need Bijan? You know, they had Tyler Algier run for 1,100 yards last year. So that's that's a fascinating debate for me. And I'll I, I'd love to hear what you guys think. But I mean, I special players deserve to be picked high, and I, I saw him as a special player. But you know, maybe not for every team. I don't know. I was going to say that there was speculation that the Patriots were also interested in Gibbs. Do you I'm buy sure any they, of that? I'm sure they were absolutely. Yeah, and in fact, you know, you could argue that they probably viewed a couple teams in that in that range as. You know, especially with some of the offensive tackles starting to go off the board, uh, they probably thought New England's a threat. You know, probably not the Jets, even though they did draft a running back. It wasn't until much later, uh, Banacanda in round five, I want to say. So, you know, uh, Packers probably weren't going to do that. But there were a couple teams in that range where you thought, maybe, yeah, I could maybe see them uh, going for, for Gibbs at that point. So, I think they felt Detroit felt like we got to pull the trigger and we just we can't mess around and try to move back even more or anything like that. There have been some reports um, after after Gonzalez uh, after the Patriots picked Gonzalez about his his inability to tackle really well um, and sort of like that might not have a true dog mentality or whatever whatever you mean by that. Um, where does he slot in with the other guys that were picked in the first round, like Weatherspoon and Forbes? We'll have to get that X-ray to see if that dog's in there or not. <laughs> I'm not sure, right? Uh, yeah, I loved Witherspoon. I wish he could have, like, taken Witherspoon's game and put it in Gonzalez's body. And, you know, they're both fine. And, and you know, like, Witherspoon's size isn't great. You know, it's but it's not terrible. I mean, he's still – you know, pushing 5'11", 180-something pounds, ran sub 4'5". That's good enough. And he plays like such a dog. Uh, real feisty, real competitive, real disciplined. It's a rare combo to find. So I thought he was the most complete player at that position, even if he did come in a smaller package. So that was a theme at a lot of positions this year. You know, Gibbs, Bryce Young, other guys who were great players just in a real compact uh, frame. So – you know, Gonzalez, it's funny because, you know, he started getting a little bit of buzz. There were some draft people out there that that are good at what they do who kind of floated his name preseason. And, you know, he transfers from Colorado to Oregon, and he was on the, you know, the Blesto list and all that stuff. But I watched the Georgia opener, and I watched another game shortly after that, and I thought, 
Why, what's the hype about this guy? This looks like a third, fourth router. He, he had a couple cu tough games to start the year, and it wouldn't shock me if you know he's playing in sub packages to start the year. We know how Bill does. You know the rookies aren't just anointed starters, right? Unless they they're good enough. So I could see him for various reasons, not just the tackling maybe be held back a little bit, but yeah, you wish he was a little bit more assertive. I saw some more of that starting with about the Colorado game. He went back there and gave him hell two picks. I think he ran one back for a touchdown, maybe two. I don't even remember at this point, but he had a great game and it almost sort of brought a little more fire out of him. And it was like, he realized, well, I got six, seven games left in my career here. I better, I better do this. And, and I thought his play down the stretch looked way more befitting of a, of a first rounder. So you know, did I think he was passive? No, but I thought he was, you know, if you call him a finesse corner, I'm not going to disagree. So it just, you have to, you know, I'm trying to think of some guys that weren't great tacklers there that maybe like, like Asante, I'm trying, you know, I don't remember him being a, a, a killer out there, you know, and you <laughs> still have a value for it. So, you know, they'll, they'll work with him, but I'll be fascinated to see what he, whether he can become better than Witherspoon just because of the physical gifts. Yeah, Asante's dead to me after 07. Um, yeah. But uh, one of the biggest stories around here was Zay Flowers. Um, his stock just took off, really, leading up to the draft, and I was hoping he ended up here. Obviously, went to Baltimore. Um, I think it's an absolutely perfect fit for him. I think that offense is going to be electric. What's your thoughts on Zay and um, kind of what he might be as a pro? Yeah, I thought, you know, he, he took a big step forward last year, which is pretty impressive considering, you know, the quarterback play as a whole, I would say dropped a notch or two there. And, you know, you saw him having to constantly have to adjust to balls outside of his frame or thrown low or off, you know, not in that beautiful target zone. And and that and that was something they needed to see for a guy with, well, I think 29-inch arms or whatever he is. I don't know the exact 30-inch, you know, smaller frame and – you know, probably a predominantly a slot guy. I think he can play a little outside too, and you know, he can be a motion man. You can do some fun stuff with him. I mean, he's obviously pretty versatile in terms of lining up at the different receiver spots. But yeah, man, I the more I watched him, I just thought, you know, are we looking at like an Antonio Brown kind of player here? I mean, I I don't know. Maybe he's worked out with them. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I just I couldn't help but think this guy he's an animal out there and he plays bigger than his size and he's explosive and he does have the, that gear change. And yeah, there was so much to like about him. And, and I was a little surprised that the buzz in media circles was a little slow to catch up. I felt like I, I, I was, you know, one of, one of the, the, the two guys that I like, I said right away, I said, after the combat, I said, Jackson Smith and Jigba one Zay flowers too. And I don't think anyone's really, threatening him i mean you know jordan addison's a really good football player but he's he's tiny and he's not blazing fast and i just sort of felt like zay offered a little bit more juice and addison was maybe a little more polished in some ways yeah i know it's interesting you know i i thought that overall this wasn't a great receiver class not not by the standards we're used to in recent years anyway right. and I think Flowers went right where he should have gone. I didn't think yep. he was a top 20 pick. Um, I know that my my partner here will disagree. I'm glad he didn't end up here. I, I don't think he's what they needed. They got the right guy in Gonzalez. That's a position that they needed to address. But sure. I do think in Baltimore, if they can 
It, you know, with Todd Monk in there now, there'll be a philosophy change. It won't be what Greg Roman was doing with a lot of the zone read, split zone read stuff with Lamar Jackson, the design quarterback runs. I do think they're going to push the ball down the field more. So yeah, uh, I definitely think it, it's going to help Zay out for sure. You are watching slash listening to the New England football show presented by Mortgage Right. I'm your host, John Serenitas. As always, I'm joined by Kevin Stone and Adam Kirkshin. And tonight we have the good fortune to be joined by a longtime friend of the show, Eric Edholm. I do want to remind you folks out there that if you are looking into selling your current home or you are a first-time home buyer and want to get pre-approved, give our good friend Herb Devine at Mortgage Right a call, 781-254-2846. You can also go to situate.mortgageright.com. He and his team are available anytime, including nights and weekends, to answer any questions you might have. All right, Eric, we're going to pivot here and talk about the Patriots and, and their draft. And obviously... This was a big draft for Bill Belichick and this organization. If they were going to bridge the gap between them and the elites in the AFC East, or at least make progress towards bridging the gap, they were going to need a good draft. In your estimation, based on what they did this weekend, and I want to use this as a starting point before we get into the picks, based on what they did this weekend, do you think that they made meaningful progress, we'll say, towards bridging the gap? We're not going to say definitively, yeah. Did they bridge the gap or yes, they bridged the gap? Yeah. I mean, it's obvious that they, you know, I don't know if it's obvious, but I mean, it, they, you know, the way it ended up, it was predominantly defense at the top. They obviously take two special teams uh, guys as well. I mean, I thought, you know, Chad Ryland, it's not like I'm out there scouting kickers, but he's going to have some pressure on him where he was picked, you know, obviously. And Beringer, I was when I talked to, I talked to two different special teams coaches before the draft and he was the, he was two for two, the best punter. And, you know, the other guys didn't really think there was anybody else draftable at that position. So I, I think they did great there. He's, he's a different kind of punter than Bill's usually had though. I mean, he's yeah. a boomer. I mean, he's this kid a hits the, guy. Yeah. he's not a directional punter. He's not left footed, you know? So, uh, but he has played in bad weather and he's, he's a, he's got a big leg. He just got to, and, and he looks like he'd be, he belongs in the IT department at <laughs> one Patriot place. <laughs> That's funny. Eh? I just happened to look at a picture. Look like a punter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That's great. Uh, yeah. I mean, so he, that and the, you know, the slew of Jake Andrews, City Sal, you know, uh, a Tony Moffey, uh, any other guy? No, it's those three were the and interior Tony, offensive yeah. linemen, right? Um, you know, a little bit, of, maybe a little overkill there, but I think they felt like, you know, kind of like we were talking about earlier with the quarterbacks, you know, let they, they did that before with uh, the defensive ends the year they got uh, uh, Flowers. You know, they drafted another guy in round four as well, I want to say, or right around there somewhere. Yeah. And he busted and, and Flowers made it. So they oftentimes, I think you've seen the Patriots do this, they'll double or, or triple up at a, a position or, or a lump of uh, positions together and and keep the best one or two. And, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's one way of doing it. Um, but – First three picks made a lot of sense to me. Gonzalez trading down, you know, getting getting a need position and a player who most people thought was going to be gone by the the tenth, eleventh, twelfth pick at the latest. So I think that was that was great. Uh, Keon White, there were there were some admirers around the league. I think there's a little bit of worry about is he ever going to be more than uh, you know a, a good solid contributor. You know, and it's hard to know, but he's got a high floor because of his athleticism and 
Um, you know, seems like a, a real hard working, quiet kid. He fits in with that culture well. And Mapu was down at the senior bowl, cracking helmets. And, you know, I said, I'm like, this guy looks like Kyle Duggar. I didn't think they'd actually draft him, I guess, but it makes sense. Right. So, um, you know, I would say the, the, the front end, great middle, yeah, a little, little, okay. Yeah. You know, I was a little ambivalent about some of those we just talked about, but then, you know, Douglas, who they had at the East West game, he's a blur. He's, he's a, you know, he's a quick as a hiccup and fast guy too. Um, but really the speed, I think is what, what separates him vertical routes, you know, end arounds, things like that, kick returns. And then Keishon Butte, who could be a, a great scratch off ticket where they got him. I mean, I was pretty close with a couple of people on that old, you know, the Orgeron staff at LSU and they, every day they're like, you should watch him and Daryl, uh, Daryl Stingley, Derek Stingley, excuse me, uh, go head to head and practice. They said, it's, it's, it's better than our games, like the better matchup than we see in the game. So they, they really believe that he was on a first round track and they thought he was a special player last year, really kind of undercut all that was, should he have been a sixth rounder? Probably not. I mean, I understand the questions, right? He's not super big, had the issues with Brian Kelly, only ran a four or five other testing numbers. So, so, but you know, if you saw him performing in 2020, you saw a darn good football player. So I think that could be like the, you know, that was the swing for the fences pick there. Um, and I'm kind of forgetting <laughs> their last couple of picks where he maybe give, throw me a name or two or Amir speed and, oh, right. Uh, and Bolden. Yeah. And Bolden. Yeah. Yep. Bolton is a fantastic athlete. And if you just look, I don't know if this is the, the micro influence or what, but the last two drafts have been far more focused on elite athletic traits yep. as a whole than what we had maybe RAS seen previously. Scores and all that yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And they went with length, obviously, too, with, with speed. Speed's been a career special team guy. So it'll be interesting yep. to see if he develops. Imagine that. Bill, Bill drafting a special teams, dude? No way. Um, he's only got nine of them on the roster, right? You know? <laughs> I know. Um, were you at all surprised that they didn't pick a tight end? Because uh, the guy, the guy I liked was the Notre Dame kid, Mayer. Um, I saw him a couple years ago when he, I think he was still a freshman. I yep. was like, wow, this guy for his size, he's he he moves well for his size and he blocks well as you would expect him to, given his sort of physical makeup. Yep, and he sort of hung around a little. Did he go in the second round? Was a mayor or early? He second. did, yeah. Early yeah. But um, but were you were you surprised that the Patriots didn't go anywhere anywhere like that? Yeah, the 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 word around the campfire is that they were looking into trading into the back end around one. Um, and I don't know how quickly those calls happened after they made the Gonzalez pick. But only what eight selections? So you figure that's about an hour, you know, roughly. You know, sometime in there, I wonder if Kincaid wasn't their guy and they were trying to get him. I don't know this. This is me maybe connecting a few dots a little bit, but there was a report that New England was trying to get back in. The only the only one, I think, right? The only tight end who was taking round one was Kincaid, Yeah, it was correct? Kincaid, yeah. Okay, just to make sure I'm not saying it wrong, yeah. Um, and I think, what, four ended up going in, in the second or three and then uh, Washington in the third round. But um, – I I wonder if he wasn't their guy. I mean, he beat. Oh, they brought him in for a visit. They so, did. Yep. Yeah. They met with Meyer too, but 
They did. And I mean, I, I thought Meyer would have been an option for sure. I mean, I just, he's, he's not Gronk, but he, he does, you know, like he's like 75 to 85% of Gronk in some ways, in the sense that he's a arguably a two, a tight end. Some scouts said they didn't think he was as good a blocker as some people made him out to be, but still functional, uh, better than a lot of the tight ends that, that come out these days at that. And certainly good short to intermediate receiver guy who can go up and snag the ball out of the DB's hands. And, you know, I mean, he, it's an impressive player. I like, I think he's a better player, a more well-rounded player coming out than Fryermuth. You know, like I thought that was a, you know, a somewhat of a fair comp, but yeah, I mean, like I thought he was just a little bit more of a, and he went higher, you know, he ended up going a little bit higher too. Yeah. And Macro alluded to this, uh, I believe it was Saturday night when he met with the media where he, he was asked that question about why they didn't take a tight end. And and basically he said, well, there was a run on him. And at that point, by the time we got to, to day Keon two, yeah. right, we felt that one, after White there was a run on him in round two, and they felt that they just didn't feel that there was enough value there at the position to to take one later on. Yeah, I had a few people tell me, like, yeah, as, as good as this tight end class is, it's really kind of the, the four or five at the top. And then there were a few kind of later selections that people were, you know, semi intrigued by, but I don't know that it was quite as deep a tight end class as NFL scouts thought there was meaning media folks such as myself would say best tight end class in years. Well, I don't know that that was an opinion that was when I, when I kind of threw that out there a little bit, I, I was met with a little bit of resistance, but. I think scouts are also a little tired this time of year and they were getting a little grumpy and just wanted to get me off the phone. So who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to go back to Gonzalez. Um, you know, we keep hearing Patriots going to steal top 10 talent. Is there any reason he dropped to where he did? And do fans need to worry about this kid? Cause I mean, John and I were on, you know, the zoom afterwards uh, when he was picked and seems like a nice quiet kid who, who just cares about ball. Why did he fall? Yeah, I, I think I think part of it was Washington felt like Emmanuel Forbes. Like, let's just start with him because he was the only other corner to go ahead of him, right? I mean, let's yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, Deontay Banks went after him. A couple picks after, that's right. Yep, so I think from the commander's perspective, they saw somebody with – elite playmaking ability now you know gonzalez ended up last year with four or five picks you know he the big question on him at colorado was he wasn't a playmaker he answered that in the second half of last season which is you know that's a good thing but i think the more natural ball skills you look at forbes and say you know this dude has been terrell buckley since high school like he's he's got like 70 interceptions in his life, right? So uh, there's something to be said about that. And that was just something that Ron Rivera, I think, I think Rivera understands they're going to have to steal possessions this year. They had nine interceptions a year ago. They were looking for playmakers. And I think that's what pushed him in that one case over Gonzalez. I can't say, you know, why did basically at least a half a dozen other teams, maybe more pass on him and not take him. Now, there was that little run on offensive line in there. You know, maybe not every team felt like that was a, a primary of focus. You had Bijan in that range, too. I thought Atlanta was a Gonzalez possibility. 
they just went with the generational talent at running back. So I don't know that he slid. I think it's almost like it just sort of worked out that way. And I mean, maybe, you know, maybe there wasn't as much infatuation with him, but I, I think I'd love a kid who runs a four three eight and is, you know, kind of a quiet, unassuming, you know, low key kid. That's great. All right, go to work. Let's see you do it. So I'll ask around. I don't know. I, I I didn't really hear anything like that prior to the draft, so it's hard for me to really speculate. Yeah, and I think a lot of it too is, and I've said this for years. I mean, this was my twenty third draft. You know, talking about it, writing it, writing about it, and everything else, and. You know, I, I say it all the time, Eric, and I've learned this from guys like you and when I when I interned at Scouts Inc., that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Just because the media and draft nicks and other people uh, alike right. are going to say, hey, we think that said team should take said player doesn't mean they're going to. You right. know, ultimately, you know, it's like with the Jets at 15 taking Will McDonald. I mean, God bless Mel Kuyper. He's the godfather of the industry. Mel was on him. Mel was saying, hey, this should be a spot for him. But mm -hmm. by and large, a lot of people projected Will McDonald as a second-round pick. Jack Campbell, Detroit takes him at 18, second-round right. pick. And, of course, every every draft pick and their mother knows what's good for the Detroit Lions. How could you take him there? You reached and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah. You know, so, again, I think it goes back. My, my, my original point is that guys like Gonzalez slip every year because – Again, there's teams along the way that say, you know what, now we got guys we like in our organization, but also yeah, he doesn't really fit our vibe the way we want to play. Right. Maybe he doesn't fit in our locker room. There's a variety of reasons. Now, the Patriots, in the end, they ended up tripping and falling into poop, and they came out smelling like roses because <laughs> they, they could have taken him at 14. That's right. They didn't. They passed on him. They traded down three spots, got the extra pick, and then they took him three spots later. And, of course, up here, as you well know, being from the area, the, the the day after it was like, yeah, but why did he fall? Maybe he's not that good. <laughs> right. Do other teams know something that the Patriots don't? Has Bill lost his fastball? Blah blah blah. <laughs> so it, look, I mean, take it at face value. You at the end of the day, they, their number one need, in my opinion, was corner, and the best corner on the board, by most accounts, right? Depending on who you talk to, he was probably the number one corner on most teams' draft boards. He fell to them at 17. So it's the best of both worlds. You fill a need and you get the best player at the position. Yeah. I mean, I will just, I will argue with one thing. I mean, I, 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 my sense was that Witherspoon was, was rated higher. If I, I mean, I'm, I'm extrapolating a little. I don't really, it's not like I talked to 32 teams about these guys, but I did throw that question around a good amount because it was, there was some debate about it, but. If I had to guess, I would say maybe more teams. There was a lot of affection for for Witherspoon. He would have gone the next pick to Detroit. I, you know, I mean, if if the the order was different and other teams were up there, I, I wonder what would happen. But there there were a lot of teams that really liked him. So at least at the worst, your your consensus number two, right? So that right. I, I think they did well there. I, I get it. You know, the last three years haven't gone. The four years, I guess, the last you know, haven't gone the way Patriots fans have wanted. It hasn't looked the same, you know, when, when it, when it, you know, it, it, it wasn't pretty and people are starting to doubt, you know, last year's draft had a, you know, one round too early feel with the first three, four picks. So it, it, it brings that out of people. I get it, but I thought they, they did a pretty good job up top and, and, and 
definitely brought it home late with some of those picks as well. Yeah, and I think the other thing too, real quick, I know, you know, Adam, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I think the other the other thing that I think is important to remember is that Deontay Banks was there too, and and I and I don't know, I wasn't in in, in the war room on Thursday night, but my sense was that if they were going to go corner, if Gonzalez wasn't there, based on some of the stuff that Kevin Knight heard being around the 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 facility up there the week before for for the pre draft media availability, they liked Banks. So yep. I, I, I get the sense that if Gonzalez wasn't an option and they still wanted to go corner, I think they would have been comfortable going with Deontay Banks, who many people around the league felt were a better was a better fit for them because he's more of a man-to-man corner than Gonzalez. Yep, yep, I think, right. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that Gonzalez has the ability to play off-man and press-man for that matter. But, yeah, I obviously got to get, get him a little bit more physical in his press and, and just sort of – I only saw him do it a little bit, so there's going to be some work there to be done. But you're right. I would say Banks made a lot of sense, and um, it probably made them feel comfortable trading back. In fact, I'm going to take this in a direction you're not prepared for, right? We were talking about Kincaid earlier. You're sitting at 14. You're going to – you have this trade offer to move back three spots. That means you have to have at least technically four more guys because you got, well, 14, 15, 16, 17 coming up. So I, I wonder if, if let's say somehow, you know, Jones goes at 14 and then in the next two picks, the two quarters go off the board. Maybe there's your tight end. I mean, honestly, I don't know what they would have done, but they clearly felt comfortable enough to have three or four players they liked at 17 to make that deal. But you're right. I would guess that that Banks and Gonzalez is a good bet that they were two of them. A couple of years ago, um, I would just watch Daryl Henderson's film over and over again because he like take every handoff to the house. And it's just so much fun to watch. Is there any player in this draft whose film you would go back to, not to evaluate, but just to enjoy watching it? Yeah. Uh, Gibbs is one of them. <laughs> he, yeah. He's, he's a, he's a blast. Uh, there, Tank Dell is a pretty good one. I know I don't just pick wide receivers, but that that's a, that's a pretty fun one right there. I, you know, he's this pint sized guy who, uh, you know, makes things happen with the ball in his hands. I mean, that's the best way. It, Deuce Vaughn, another small guy with, with ridiculous tape, who is just like, you'd be sitting there watching him and he'd make some silly jump cut, you know, where he'd, he'd teleport like three yards. Wait, wait, how did that happen? You know, was this a, you know, I'm missing a frame or two here, but yeah, it was, those are a couple guys. I would say Campbell was a blast to watch. I mean, he and Drew Sanders, even with their mistakes, you saw enough high-end plays where I thought, I take either one of those guys. I felt pretty good about both. I liked a few other linebackers later, but I was maybe a little higher on those two than than like when Campbell went 18th. I didn't really think it was crazy. I, I think I had him as my number 36 overall player, something like that. But you know, that that reflected league value and my own personal feelings. A lot of people in the league probably wouldn't have taken him till the 50th pick. But, you know, split the difference. That's about where I came out. And, you know, I, I thought Sanders for his first year at inside linebacker looked pretty darn good and, and has some fascinating potential. So Denver got a good player, I think. And um, I'm sure there are others. I got to think of a good lineman who is – oh, Cyrus Torrance was a blast to watch. I mean, he was – he caked a dozen guys in one game. I swear to God, I, I, I have to look and see who it was, but 
one of their one of their smaller opponents. They played Utah, then they played Kentucky, and then there was one of the next games that I'm forgetting who it was. But you know, you don't see a guy put like ten dudes on a, on their backs in one game. So he's one that I could sit back and uh, you know eat, eat some nachos and watch and enjoy pretty well. Eric, last one for me. Um, overall, the Patriots. We talked about it. They tried to get faster. It was it was very obvious. Uh, Macro on Saturday. I can't remember what day. Saturday at the end of the draft said, "You know, look, we want to push the pace. You know, we don't want we don't want to just uh, catch up with people." Now that the draft is over, now that free agency is over, do you think this team has gotten not just fast enough, but um, fast enough to compete with a lot of the top tier teams? that they're going to need to go through not just in the AFC, but their own division. Yeah, it's, it's still tough. I think it's maybe a better roster than I realized after I kind of looked at the depth chart before I hopped on with you guys. I just wanted to make sure I'm not, you know, forget anybody and kind of scan it over. I mean, defensively, they should be pretty good. Right. I mean, unless I'm missing something, I, I, I think you're right about the speed, you know, that was exploited in the, you know, the Bills playoff game or the Bills matchups for that matter, the last two, two years ago, you know, last season, the defense just had too much on their plate, obviously with everything that was going on on the offensive side. So if you at least assume that they're going to be functional offensively with, with O'Brien back, you assume Mac isn't going to be a total waste and he'll, he'll figure things out back closer to what we saw in his rookie year. You know, who knows? Maybe he's even better than that. I don't know. Um, you know, I've heard some people argue Juju is technically an upgrade over over Myers. We'll see. You know, the Myers and and Mac had a pretty good thing going. So I, I'll reserve judgment there. But Gasecki gives you a little bit more explosion. Um, I, I think they're hopeful that that one of those young backs, either Harris or, or, or Strong, will do something. Um, but it's clear they they are stronger on one side of the ball than the other. I what What's crazy to think is that they were semi-competitive a year ago with bad special teams, a defense that wore down, and an offense that was dysfunctional. I mean, so if you look at it through that lens, yeah, you still have to go through the Bills and the Jets should be better and, and all this stuff, but Dolphins aren't going to go away. But I, I still think there's a in-game coaching element that that will carry them through a little bit. I mean, I have my questions about Bill too. They they didn't look prepared a lot of the times, but once they started making adjustments in games, like the Cincinnati game, for instance, they looked terrible. They looked like they were being outclassed. And then they almost won the damn thing, you know. So they, if you think about games like that, they should be better in the first quarter, or the first half against the Chicago's and the Cincinnati's and everyone in between. So it's possible. I'm, I may be talking myself into it a little, but I also know how tough that that AFC field is. Yeah, and I think that you bring up a good point, too, in that, you know, when you look at them on paper, they're better. There's no question about yeah. that. You add the addition of Bill O'Brien. Now you have to think that, that that should add up to at least a couple more wins anyway. Yeah. And now all of a sudden you add two wins to the right side of the ledger. Now you're looking at 10 and 7. You're probably a playoff team. To your point, Eric, last year, if they beat Buffalo, they're in. I mean, that, that's <laughs> right. that's the amazing thing is, is that they go into that game 8-8 eight and eight with all the dysfunction on offense, the defense wearing down, the special teams being a disaster. With all of that being said, had they gone up there and won the last weekend of the season, they're a playoff team. So 
you know, and I think a lot of people will look at that and say, okay, well, that's the greatness of Belichick and, and the attention to detail and all that other stuff. But you also made a great point in that, that this did not look like your typical Patriots team last season from a preparation yep. standpoint. They were not prepared. They were outclassed in a lot of games. They did fall behind early because it didn't seem like they were prepared. You have to hope that that changes going into this season. A couple of quick ones from me real quick. Uh, a, your thoughts on Rodgers and the Jets. Obviously, now all of a sudden, many people have them in their top five in their way, way too early power rankings. And the second part of my question is, if you looked into Eric Edholm's crystal ball, what do you project for this Patriots team? We'd love to have you on again, obviously, in August before the season starts. Sure. Um, but just just a quick little appetizer, if you will, on what you see for them. But first things first, thoughts on Rodgers and the Jets. Yeah, my, my crystal ball is uh, I threw it in the fireplace after my mock draft was ranked <laughs> like in the bottom 20%. So I uh, can't really give you a, you know, I didn't have a spit shine on it or anything. Like it was pretty cloudy. So uh not a good year for me on that on that front, but I will say that I have I consider me a little bit skeptical about this whole Rogers thing. I mean, I I would put Aaron in the top five most talented quarterbacks of all time. I really would. I think some people may forget how special he was, right? They hear all the the McAfee stuff and all the you know Depravoska and all yeah, that. Yeah, right, right. Like stick, yeah. stick to the cannabis people. Come on, right, right? Yeah, going going into the darkness. And he, turned yeah, into, right. he turned into Bane from Batman. <laughs> I was molded by the darkness. <laughs> I like that voice. That's pretty nice. Oh, I, you know. if 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 Aaron took eight games last year to get on the same page with you know his young receivers, the guys they drafted, some that they had already had. What's going to happen with, albeit more talented guys, I think, like Garrett Wilson and, and whatnot, and obviously Lazard is there, so that helps. But, you know, this is an entirely new deal. In Green Bay, yes, they're passionate about their football up there, but it was a little bit of a a, a, a different kind of fishbowl than, than, than New York. You know, Aaron's quirkiness is only going to get him so far up there, right? And he doesn't have the skins on the wall there that he did in Green Bay. So there's just a lot. And there's sort of the pressure of we got to win now, like this year. We don't know if Aaron's going to play next year. So I have a feeling that as as much of an upgrade talent-wise as he is, this thing could go sideways in, in more than one way. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I I mean, part of me would love to see it happen just because it would be a cool story from a non-Patriots fan standpoint, but I also am a little skeptical. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think Buffalo's going away. I think Miami is is a good team, and I think the Jets are, are a pretty good team. But, you know, if the Patriots can figure out the Dolphins, I know they've kind of given them some trouble in recent years, but that, that really – could be end up being the difference between like second and fourth place in this division. So I would put the Bills as the, as the favorites, but you know, you saw them down the stretch. They look vulnerable. So they didn't look like the same team they were the first eight, 10 games of the year. So I don't know. I, I I'm not ready to give it a full stamp, but uh, you know, it, it, those, those three teams are going to have to kind of jockey for position a little bit, I think. Well, Eric, I want to say thanks for taking the time, man. It's it's always great catching up with you, brother. And I know that uh, you know I've I've gotten to know you through the years and talking yeah. football with you through the years, and it's been awesome 
all the way back from your time when you were uh you Pro know, football weekly back in the day Pro football yeah. weekly back in the day is the first time we connected and yeah and we've stayed in touch through the years and it's um i, I know that just talking football with you and 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 watching your approach to the game i know i've learned a lot so i appreciate that oh, i appreciate man. your friendship and uh, I want to say thanks for taking the time. And like I said, dude, we'd love to have you back on again in August. I know you'll be a busy man, but yeah, no, of we'd, course. We'd love to have you on again to do kind of an NFL Patriots preview. Yeah, I see how you did though. You butter me up first and then you asked me back on. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I wasn't just gonna no? yeah, right. Right. <laughs> I wasn't just gonna come on and be like, hey, can you come back on in August? I mean, even you though you scumbag. Right, yeah, I was no. like, let, let me, you know, let me pucker up here a little bit. <laughs> Soften, soften up the uh, the man, and then I'll uh, ask him. Can he come back? Hey, I love it. Are you kidding me? I, I got a huge ego, so this is perfect. No, it I, is. I it love is. jumping on with you guys. Happy to talk football anytime. Call me before August if you want. Otherwise, we'll we'll, we'll see. We're all sweating to death. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, that 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 sounds good, my man. Looking forward to it. I'll be in touch. That is Eric at home from NFL.com. That'll do it for this week's episode of the New England Football Show. For Kevin Stone, Adam Kirchin, and Eric at home, I'm John Serenita. So next time, peace. Take